Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about the relationship between social anxiety and bullying. Often, we don't think about these two together, or maybe you do, but there is a relationship for, for a multitude of reasons. I'm going to go into what that is. And if you have a child who is dealing with bullying, or if you have a child who has social anxiety, or both, this episode is definitely an important one to listen to. Because how we handle bullying and how we handle social anxiety feed into both of these struggles. But before we get started, I would like to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy, and luckily they're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well. I also want to mention that my new book, crushing OCD workbook for kids, 50 fun activities to overcome OCD through CBT and ERP is going to be going on sale next week is when it is released. I'm very excited about that because more of you will have clinically sound tools at an affordable price at your fingertips. I do have a special offer though, that I can't remember if I mentioned this last time or not, but it doesn't matter because I'm telling you now. And this offer is only available during the pre-sale. I don't think I'm going to extend it to once the book, once the book is released, I'm not sure yet, but you need to do this before February 21st, 2024. I've realized that I need to start giving a date out because this is such a good deal that I need to make sure that people know that it is, I need, they need to know the expiration date on this. (laughs) So if you purchase my new OCD workbook before it comes out, while during you pre-order it on Amazon or wherever you consume your pot, your, wherever you consume your, I'm so used to saying consume your podcast, wherever you purchase your books, uh, it is on Amazon. It's probably on Barnes and Noble target. But if you send us the receipt at AT parenting survival help at yahoo.com and you have bought it before it was released, we will give you a coupon code to get my $127 course called Crushing OCD, Class for Kids and Teens. It is a video course uh, designed to help kids with OCD ages, I would say like seven to young adult. My workbook is for kids eight to 12. I think it could go a little bit younger depending on the maturity of the child. And I think it actually could go a little bit older depending on how annoyed they would be by cartoons and illustrations. The skills that I teach are universal. And so the skills in the work, workbook are universal, but I think it is it is geared towards 8 to 12-year-olds. And so I feel like a 13 or 14-year-old could still use the book and not be offended. If you have a very mature 15, 16, 17-year-old, they're not going to want this kid's book, but the skills are the same. Uh, the course is I really wanted it to be universal for any age. And so the course is appropriate for kids, I would say 7 all the way up to young adult. So the course is $127. The book um, in the 
you know, sometimes Amazon discounts stuff, but currently the book listing, the true book listing is like $22.95 or something like that. So for $23, you can get the book and you can get the $127 course, which is pretty good if you do the math. So that's why we're only doing it for a very limited time, just kind of to get some energy around the OCD workbook to let people know it's out there. And Amazon likes pre-sales apparently. So that's a thing. And more importantly for you is the power of these two together is really impressive because when you're taking the course and you're doing the book together, I think that it supercharges it because you're getting the video and you're getting the workbook activities and, and they supplement each other and they complement each other. So take advantage of that. You can go to natashadaniels.com slash OCD book to purchase the book on Amazon. That's an Amazon link. It just will take you there or search on Amazon or wherever you get your books. And then just don't forget to email us with the receipt and we will create a personalized coupon code for you to get free access to that course. So check that out and let's dive into today's topic. So social anxiety and bullying. This one is dear, near and dear to my heart. And I really wish it wasn't because it's close to my heart because it's part of my history. I had social anxiety and I had bullying and um, I do have an upcoming memoir coming out in September, same publisher. So they're going to get be sick of me in a little while. And I, I talk about my childhood and I talk about my bullying and my young, young child experiences and how it fed into my social anxiety more on that to come. But it's kind of the chicken or the egg thing. Sometimes, you know, do I have social anxiety because I was bullied or was I bullied because I have social anxiety? And today I'm going to talk about one, there's not really a clear causal relationship where one causes the other, but there is a predisposition. There's a, a genetic predisposition to anxiety. And the research has shown that social anxiety is highly genetic, which is interesting because I have social anxiety I do feel like I have some relatives that I would I would diagnose them with social anxiety. They may not diagnose themselves, but I would. And all three of my kids have had social anxiety in different flavors and have shown up in different ways. And so now that my husband has passed away, we are a full solid family of social anxiety because all of us, all four of us have some element of social anxiety or, you know, we're somewhere on the journey. And so there is that genetic predisposition. But when you add bullying, because research has shown that there is a disproportionate amount of people who have social anxiety that have had a, a history of bullying. I feel like sometimes that is the genetic, it is the, it is what blossoms the genetic seed. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you're, you're genetically predisposed to maybe getting some of the, some of this stuff, but environmental flat factors play a role. When one of those factors is bullying, I mean, they might as well just pour, downpour on that seed and, and watch it blossom because it is ripe fertilizer for a genetic seed of social anxiety. And that, that's what happened to me. But I also want to talk about how sometimes social anxiety, like having social anxiety, can cause you to be the target of bullying. So we're going to talk about it both ways. And then after the break, I'm going to talk to you about some things that we can do as a parent, some things that I want you to ask yourself and think about when we're talking about our kids with social anxiety and bullying. All right. So let's first talk about what happens when a child is being bullied. When a child's experiencing bullying, 
maybe regardless of social anxiety, we'll just start there. They're getting the message from their environment that interactions are not safe. Social interactions don't go well, right? These are the stories. This is the narrative that you can take when you've been bullied. You can think people aren't safe. People aren't nice, right? Our brain can generalize. Our brain wants to generalize. It's actually, it wants shortcuts. It wants to know, don't eat that berry. You know, like if you think about caveman times, like our brain is developed to to generalize a threat to the rest of our environment so that we don't, you know, get consumed by a bear, you know, or whatever we needed to do to stay safe back in the day when we were all a bunch of cavemen. And so our brain still looks for patterns and it looks to generalize. So unfortunately that does that with social interactions. People aren't safe. People aren't nice. Interactions aren't safe. Um, People will judge. People are cruel. I don't belong. There's something wrong with me. I don't fit in. And those, those are the strongest messages that come when we're being bullied. And ironically or not, probably ironic, but interestingly, those are the same messages that social anxiety tells us. Social, social anxiety will tell you, you don't belong. People will judge you. People will criticize you. You're not enough, right? Interactions aren't safe. You're being too vulnerable. You're putting yourself out there. A lot of times people think social anxiety is more about being an introvert or being shy. And I'm not, that's not the topic of this episode, but I feel like I couldn't continue on without a little shout out to that's not social anxiety. (laughs) Let's just put that on the, you know, let me just put that in the forefront. Social anxiety is about the fear of rejection, judgment, and um, not belonging right? It's about criticism. It's about feeling like you're on stage. It's like feeling like there's a spotlight on you. It's like feeling like you're not enough, that people are going to see that or judge that or think that, and that the value of who you are as a human being is going to be impacted because of it. That's social anxiety. You can have fantastic social skills. You can be an extrovert and still have social anxiety. Pretty sure I've done a podcast on just that topic because it's a passionate one for me because I feel like People use that, those words interchangeably, or they'll say, my child has social anxiety, so I need to give them social skills. And, and, and that's not necessarily true. And sometimes, you know, kids who are autistic have social struggles and they might be socially anxious, but it's not necessarily social anxiety because it's coming from being autistic and neurodivergent where you might be missing social cues and the whole social interaction is of course anxiety producing because you don't have all the tools to really assess and utilize in a social interaction. To me, that's very different. Today we're talking about social anxiety disorder where it's that overwhelming feeling of rejection, the fear of criticism that still happens. And this isn't a podcast about the difference between social struggles in autism and social anxiety, but I just want to be clear about what we're talking about today. So social anxiety will tell you that you don't belong. And so when, when you are bullied, whether it's before social anxiety kind of rears its ugly head or it's after the messaging is the same. And so the trauma on top of the social anxiety 
doubles down the messaging that people do not like you, that they're going to judge you, they're going to criticize you, and that you don't belong. And when there's a real life experience that validates those socially anxious thoughts, it's potent because now you have evidence, you have proof that the world is not safe, that people are not safe, that you shouldn't put yourself out there because you will get burned. And that makes it really hard because when you have social anxiety in general, self-esteem is very low. Part of the foundation of what social anxiety is, is a low self-esteem because we give other people power to define us. Your opinion of who I am is so important that I am so anxious about what you're thinking about who I am, because if you don't think I'm great, then I'm not great. It's like a linear thing. You don't think I'm great. Therefore I'm not. Instead of having some cushion in between of, do I really need to care what you think? Do you, do I allow you to define me? I don't even know you. And if I did know you, if you were not going to define me in a great way, do I really want to be around you? Or if you have some structural criticism is, are you really attacking my whole self? No. Can I handle some structural criticism? And so it's interesting how the takeaway that the brain will have around bullying is the same as social anxiety. And so actually in my memoir that's coming out <laughs> that I mentioned, uh, I, ta- I personify my social anxiety and I talk about social anxiety as kind of like the bully in my head. And I know a lot of people want to like make friends with their anxiety and, you know, it's, it's a, sometimes I'll call it an overreactive lifeguard when I'm talking to kids about anxiety, but for my social anxiety, social anxiety in particular, I feel like it's a bully in my head. It's the internal voice of what I think, you know, is the external voice, the, the voice of others, the voice of other people. It's like in stereo. And so I kind of want to crush it in the same exact way. I wanted to, I want to, I want to honor myself and stand up for myself in the real world and in, in my head when my social anxiety is constantly telling me like, oh my gosh, your shoes look so stupid. Oh my gosh, your hair looks so weird today. Oh my gosh, those people over there in that corner, I'm pretty sure they're talking about you. It's like having a mean girl in your head. It really is. There's, I'm not really aligned with my social anxiety. Um, I want to crush it. That's my attitude. And that is how I, I write my memoir, um, which I'll talk about more as we get closer to my memoir coming out, which is not until September, but some things to think about. My memoir is going to be called or is called, the publisher has already created the book cover and it looks really beautiful. It's called Out of My Shell, which I really love that title because that is how I feel is that I've had to learn. And the, the book cover is like a kind of like a hermit crab. Well, it, that's how it looks like to me. It's like a, a shell and it's like coming out of the shell because when you have social anxiety and, or you're being bullied, you want to stay in your shell forever. You just want to feel safe. And um, in reality, we can't do that because then we're missing out on life. So I want to talk after the break about what we do with this. How do we help our kids? Because when our kids are socially anxious, they can be awkward. And so even if bullying wasn't the thing that blossomed the genetic seed for social anxiety, if a child, because you can have a child with social anxiety and there's no history of bullying. Absolutely. Right. We're not saying that one always equals the other. For me, 
I think the bullying came first and I had a strong predisposition to mental health issues around anxiety and OCD because of my family history and background. And it just manifested in social anxiety because I was going to get something. And after being bullied and kind of ostracized and feeling alone, social anxiety was the best theme for my brain to, to get stuck on. But some kids get social anxiety just organically, physiologically, they have the genetic predisposition and they develop it. And then they become a target then the real bullying starts and then the real validating starts because they're awkward. They don't know what to say. They stumble on their words. They, you know, don't engage in social interactions. And so they become a target either way. What do we do about this as a parent? Right? Cause I think back to the history of all the bullying that I went through and the changing of many schools that my parents had me go through. And I think if, if, the, if I didn't have that experience where I was always another, always a new kid up oh, here, I'm a new kid again. I must've gone to like a million different schools and I was always the new kid, always the awkward new kid. Would I have developed full-blown social anxiety if it wasn't reconfirmed for me over and over and over and over again? You do not belong. You are another. You do not belong. I don't know. And I never will know. But what I do know is that I'm trying to do it differently for my kids. And I'm trying to do my part in saying, I don't want you to carry this baggage into adulthood. And so let's try to unpack some of this stuff now. Let's try to rewrite some of these stories now. So you don't turn into a 50 year old, something like your mom, <laughs> you're not having all these things that you have to work on now when you're midlife, because you're going to work on them as it's trying to accrue, as these stories are trying to develop. As the baggage is trying to get into the back of your mind and get warm and cozy to stay there for life, we're going to not let it sit there. We're going to unpack it. Let's talk about what that would look like after the break. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, so we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice it was easy to use um, i was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer there's different ages you know so there were younger kids there were teenagers and um so that was really nice too to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids it was a nice variety it's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposure still and 
going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realised it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it, so it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. I definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it, and I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Welcome back. So how do we help our kids with this? I think the important thing, let's just start with the most obvious thing. If your child is in a bullying situation, regardless of whether they have social anxiety or not, I think it's really important for us to say, is this worth sticking, sticking it out for? How, how acute is this? How much damage is happening? Sometimes we try to go through the proper channels. We talk to the teacher, we talk to the school administrator, we talk to a parent, we talk to the coach, we talk to whatever. And as adults, we need to not be naive that that will fix it. The older the kids are, the more subtle and cruel they can be. And the more of a squeaky wheel you are to the parent or to the administration or to the teacher or to the coach, the more backlash your child unfortunately can get behind the scenes. The damage of bullying cannot be understated. And if your child's already vulnerable with social anxiety or low self-esteem, the damage is magnified. So I know for myself, I would have loved to have been rescued out of some social, like some bullying situations. I was in some, some situations when I was a kid that were, it was doing irreparable damage. And if I had gotten removed from that environment, would it have been different? And I think it would have, to be honest, because our experiences shape our future. And I know for my son, he was being bullied for a very long period of time. And I kept giving him the option because I uh, don't want to be like my mom, you know? And so I'm like, you always have options. You are not trapped at that school. There are other options. We can do this or this or this, but the fear of change was higher and bigger until eventually I realized whether he wants to move or not, this is too intense for him to handle. And so I made the decision. Um, now he's happy about that. I mean, after a few weeks of making that decision for him and saying, this environment is toxic and I can't fix this toxicity. And you're at an age where it's just going to get worse. We need to, to shift gears because his social anxiety was just getting worse and worse and worse because the bullying was getting worse and worse and worse. Um, and then he was getting more and more awkward and it was a vicious cycle. The more awkward you get, the more you bully, you get bullied. So I would ask yourself, Am I expecting my child to be in a toxic environment? A lot of times I'll talk to parents. I would talk to parents in my community or my, in, in my practice when I had my practice open. And parents had this like blanket feeling that no matter what happens, we don't want to run away from anxiety. And so our kids need to stick with it. And a lot of times we talk so much about that, like avoidance fuels anxiety. Avoidance is the food to grow anxiety bigger. I talk about that all the time, but bullying is, is not a mental illness and bullying is not running away from anxiety. Bullying is an objective situation that is doing objective damage. And so just because someone has social anxiety 
doesn't mean they should have to tolerate bullying at such an acute level that it's squashing their self-esteem or that they're, they don't want to go to school or they get stomach aches before they have to go to school. So first thing is assess your situation. Is it toxic? Can you do anything about it? Don't be naive about how much you actually can do because I know for me, I'm not going to move the dial on a bunch of eighth graders, right? Nobody has power over them anymore. And um, even if you talk to someone's parents, they're at, at, at a certain age, the foundation's poured and they are who they are a lot of times. And the parents don't even have a lot of say or impact in what they do. And that's, I mean, I'm just being honest, right? So for us, it was, let's remove you from that toxic situation. And then it's repair, you know, because then it's like, okay, all people are mean and I don't want to be around people and people hate me and I'm awkward and whatever stories you want to get to the stories that your child is telling themselves and start to repair their self-esteem. I will often tell my kids, um, there is a sprinkle of mean people and there's a sprinkle of nice people. And yeah, that sprinkle of mean people can sting and we can really hyper-focus on that sprinkle of people. But when we do that, we are, we are excluding a whole sprinkle of nice people. And when we avoid everybody, because we're like, oh, that sprinkle of mean people, I just can't, I can't handle them. We don't put ourselves in situations that allow us the opportunity to meet nice people. And so if you have a child with social anxiety, who's experienced bullying, or even just a child who's experienced bullying or vice versa, there, there can be an all or nothing thought process. People are mean. I don't belong. Right. And so we want to hear, or we want to try to help our kids recognize what stories are you telling yourself? It wouldn't take long if you were a fly in my house to hear what that story is with my child, because they will say it out loud. They'll say, I hate people, you know, or they, they might say, um, I don't belong or nobody likes me or I don't fit in. Right. I mean, like, listen to what your child's saying, because that's a window into the story that they might need help reframing. And even if it is reality, yeah, some people are mean. We don't want to sugarcoat it. There's nothing worse than being this like syrupy cheerleader without and being tone deaf to the, to the struggle that your child actually went through. My mom would say things like, you just need to make friends. Or if she was mad at me, she would say, they would call me, <laughs> this is horrible, but she'd be like, you're acid tongue. She's like, you're an acid tongue. And so like for a while during my 13, 14 year old phase of life, she called me acid tongue. And she said, no wonder why you have no friends, acid tongue, you know, and I was probably hormonal and was like bickering with my siblings, but that did not help how I was formulating the idea of myself because I was already getting that externally and then it was getting validated at home. And so we can be, you know, insensitive with what we say. Now that's just, that's just really cruel. I'm not saying that you're being cruel like that, but sometimes the way that we communicate with our kids of you just need to make new friends or those friends aren't very nice to you. So you just need to find a new group. Well, easier said than done. That is so overwhelming to someone with social anxiety to say, just make new friends, just sit somewhere else, just play with someone else on the playground, just stand up for yourself. Sometimes they don't have the tools and skills to do that. And part of that is learning to believe in themselves and learning to recognize that if somebody wants to judge or criticize them, that those aren't people that they want to care about anyway. And that takes time. It's not something that's done overnight. It's something that is discussed and seeds are dropped and planted and they don't sprout for a long time. So working on self-esteem is really important. 
um, finding things they're good at where they can start to feel empowered. It is crazy how being good at something can really boost someone up. And so finding their passion is actually kind of like kryptonite to self-esteem, like low self-esteem. So is there something your child can do that you can say like, you're really good at this or let's call in the dog whisperer because you're really good with dogs. Let's, I want to get your opinion about this or let's get our baker in here. Can you, can you bake every Sunday for us? Because you are like an amazing baker, like get them to own some part of their identity because what social anxiety does is it creates a shell of an identity and you wait for other people to fill it in. We don't want to be filled in by other people and we don't want to get filled up by other people because when I depend on you to fill me up, then I can be pretty empty because I don't have control now. And so teaching our kids through these metaphors, through this language, that I want to learn how to fill up my own cup. I don't want you to fill me up because I don't want to be dependent on you for my happiness. And so we can do these things by getting them to identify some passions by listening to the narratives that they're telling themselves and starting to work on that. I also pay attention to what I say because our kids, depending on their ages, are sponges. And so for me in particular, I have social anxiety. And so I notice that sometimes I'll vent, I'll be driving and somebody will cut me off or I'm at a four-way stop and it is clearly not that person's turn and they're going ahead. And I will say things out loud like, people are just so selfish and people are so rude and people are, and I do say this a lot. And lately I've been noticing that I'm hearing my kids say those things even before I say them when I'm driving. And I have to consciously make an effort to not do that because it is again, reiterating that message that is really a family message at this point that people are mean, that people are insensitive and people are selfish and, the world's a scary place. And that's not what I want to believe. And I don't want my kids to believe that either. And so lately I've been trying to say things like there are mean people out there, but there's also nice people. Or I try to highlight, Oh, that person just let me through. That was nice of them. Or that person just waved because I let them in. That was nice of them. Or, Oh, that was nice. That person just held the door for us. You know, I'm like trying to highlight the niceness in society, which frankly, sometimes is hard to find, (laughs) but that's me being negative again. There are as many good people as there are bad. There's probably more good people than bad. And I don't think the world can be divided into bad and good. Um, And that maybe is another thing to bring up. But I think we get that black and white thinking when we have social anxiety. And so tap into how your child is viewing the world. Tap into how you're viewing the world. Tap into how your family is communicating how you view the world and how that might be impacting your child with bullying or social anxiety. And the next thing is help educate them on social anxiety. I have a bunch of YouTube videos on social anxiety. You can go to my YouTube channel and just type in Natasha Daniels. My YouTube channel will probably pop up and search my channel, type in social anxiety. I've been making more and more videos on that because I'm very passionate about the topic. Learn to do exposures on social anxiety. And so doing exposures is, can you talk to people? Can you put yourself out there? Can you do an exposure that has value to it? And so sometimes I think therapists will do social anxiety exposures that I think are like cruel 
Um, and I get it. I understand why. Like if you're really wor- worried about embarrassing yourself, then a social anxiety exposure might be to do something really embarrassing in front of people. But I find that more effective exposures are doing things that are based on your values of what you really want. If you want to make new friends, then maybe an exposure would be participating in a support group or talk, asking someone a question in class or making small talk by asking if they have a pencil. Or for me, it was talking to cashiers on purpose, like to make small talk, not because I wanted to necessarily make a best friend who's checking me out, but I wanted to learn how to start putting in the effort to start with small talk so I can build up and have maybe an authentic friendship. And I need to practice that muscle. And so um, it's not that people with social anxiety are incapable of small talk, but we avoid we avoid it so much that we get rusty and it takes a lot to overcome the anxiety that is surrounding reaching out to someone that you don't normally talk to or, or talking to someone that's a stranger. So what is it for your child? What exposures could they do that would help them start to feel like they can interact with the world? And here's the clencher is regardless of whether the interaction goes well or not, A lot of times we think that exposures are to prove that people are nice and that it is okay. But what I tell people, what I've told people in my practice, what I tell my own kids, what I tell myself is the exposure is not to prove that people are nice and I was wrong because that's not always true. The exposure is to prove that I can handle whatever discomfort comes my way. I can handle it if you're rude back. I can handle it if you're nice back. I can handle it if you're indifferent because it's not about you. It's about, can I have social interactions and handle it no matter how it goes without it defining me, without it crushing me? That's the work. And I think sometimes we don't realize where the work is with social anxiety. That's the work. So I know from my son, I've also created positive social interactions. So I have purposely sign him up for things. Um, I've signed him up for 3D tutoring with a a guy through OutSchool. Do you know what OutSchool is? OutSchool is actually a pretty cool thing. OutSchool is a platform online, outschool.com. Um, they're not sponsoring this episode. I'm just literally telling you because it's amazing. And they have like tutoring, they have little clubs, they have classes, it's all sorts of stuff online. And so my son just got a 3d printer. He had one in the past, but he was struggling with it. And so I was like, a lot of his social anxiety is around adults. And so I thought it would be great to get, you know, a one-on-one tutor through zoom. And yes, it's great that it's going to teach him something that he's passionate about. And he loves, which is the other thing that we had talked about, right? Building their passion and their self-confidence, but it's also, it's a social interaction for a full hour with an adult one-on-one. That's really good because that's overwhelming for him sometimes. So are there things that you can carve out that will help create an opportunity for your child to exercise the muscle of interacting with someone? Some kids with social anxiety are are more overwhelmed with adults than kids. Sometimes they're overwhelmed more with kids than adults. And sometimes it's both. And I really do feel like there is clearly defined depending on the child. I feel like with my son, it's adults more than kids, but then kids are also a a huge component, but more adults first. Um, sometimes I guess it's kind of a, it's kind of gray with him, but go to out school. There are groups on Roblox. There's groups on Minecraft. There's groups on, 
you know, horses and um, arts and crafts and baking. And those are controlled social environments that you can sign up only for one class. And if your child doesn't like it, you don't have to go. There's no commitment there. It's less threatening because it's on Zoom, but it's a great exposure for them to practice their, their social interactions on a weekly basis. So um, I definitely recommend that as well. I also offer a course. I do have a course called How to Crush Social Anxiety, and I have videos. It's on demand, and I walk you through all the steps to build up your self-esteem because really underneath social anxiety is a very fragile self-esteem. So I work on how to build up your self-identity, your self-esteem, how to handle social interactions, and then how to craft your own exposures. And that course is actually for kids, teens, and adults. I wanted it to be kind of universal and I wanted anybody to be able to take it. So I will leave a link for you to check that out as well. You can also go to natashadaniels.com slash social anxiety and check that out. And you can check out my book. Actually, I went to go look on Amazon. I paused this and I went to go look on Amazon because I wasn't sure if my book was on pre-sale yet, but it actually is, even though it's coming out in September. And so you can check out my book, Out of My Shell, Overcoming Social Anxiety from Childhood to Adulthood. You can check it out on Amazon. And that um, that's cool. I haven't even seen that yet. So good to know. I hope that you're finding the podcast helpful. If you are, you know, I love it when you rate it or um, hit a star or leave a review. And to show my gratitude, I always like to end the show reading one of those. And I did just get a whole bunch of them. Let me look them up really quick. I want to thank Mila for leaving a review who wrote Lifesaver. This podcast is literally changing my life and my family's life for the better. I was so lost and stressed before encountering this podcast in the AT Parenting Survival Community. I'm so very thankful for these life-saving resources. I felt like we were drowning before accessing this podcast. Now I have hope. Thank you so much for making these resources available and accessible so those of us who can't afford private therapy can cobble and build a path forward. Oh, I like that. Cobble and build a path forward. I like that vision. Um, Thank you so much, Mila, for leaving a review. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. And I am so glad that my resources can fill in those gaps because I know therapy can be so expensive. And there are tools that, that I can provide that will fill in those gaps so that you can do that yourself. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And if you write a review, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So take care. I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 